Live from this is the Just End the Suffering Podcast. For the win. Got it! Oh, he broke his head. Follow me. Follow me to freedom. Here's your host, Mike Phillips. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the Just End the Suffering Podcast with New York Sports Talk and Long Suffering Fam. I'm your host, Mike Phillips. I got a good show for you this week. The NFL officially reached the halfway point of its season. We are through nine weeks, nine more to go. Good time to check in on the state of the league. I'm going to be joined by fan size NFL insider Matt Ferdinand in just a bit. We're going to dive deep into the league, talk the locals, talk some big picture storylines, talk the playoff race and more. All that coming up with Matt in just a bit. We're also going to chat with a longtime friend of mine. I haven't had him on in a while. Jersey Joe Arquino is going to be on to do the Week 10 NFL picks. Talk about his Chargers, too. Picked up a big win against the Eagles this weekend. We'll talk about those picks in just a bit. Make sure you lock in the other show's two-minute drill where I talk about another sports scandal with ownership involved, this time involving the Phoenix Suns owner, Robert Sarver. We'll get to that in just a bit. But we'll get started with our opening tip where we're going to take a look at how the Jets and the Giants are doing halfway through the year right after this. Ready for this? The opening tip. And here we go. All right, opening tip time here. Talking to the New York football teams at the midway point of the NFL season. And not surprisingly, both and off the good starts. The Jets played first in week nine. We'll start with them. They are two and six, coming off a really, really bad loss to the Colts on Thursday night. If you want more details on that game specifically, check out the blog, justinthesuffering.wordpress.com. I did instant reaction to that game on there. You can check it out. A few key observations, though, right now at the Jets. There is at least a short-term quarterback conversation that's going to happen right now because of the Mike White game. It really sucks to the Jets that Mike White got hurt in Indy because he looked good the second drive that he had where he... Took him decently far first drive. Second drive, got hurt, but still managed to draw a touchdown pass Elijah Moore. Had the forearm issue. Came out of the game. Coming off that game was 405 yards, three touchdowns. Came the first year after over 400 yards in a game since Vinny Testaverde back in 2000. Think about that for a minute. Didn't get a chance to fully see what he could do as a follow-up here with teams having film on him. That at least opened the conversation here because Mike White played so well that considering how bad Zach Wilson looked, the Jets have to at least think about giving Mike White more luck. It's hard to bench him right now because he has respect to the locker room. He's moved the offense far more effectively than Zach Wilson. To be fair, Zach Wilson, he's a rookie. He's also playing hurt, but he was doing things incorrectly. He was waiting too long for plays to develop. He was trying to make the big hero play every time the game moved instead of waiting and taking up the defense gave him. That's what Mike White did. That's what Josh Johnson did. He came in relief of Mike White. The offense is unsurprisingly moved much better. Playing Mike White now is not an ambition that Zach Wilson picks a failure. You could view as an experience for Zach Wilson where he could sit and see how other players prepare and see, you know, I don't have to make the hero play every play so that when he does come back in, he's more equipped to lead the offense to success. My gut is right now, it sounds like both guys could be practicing this week. My sense from Coach Sala is, and he's been very not committed about what he's going to do with the quarterback situations, that 
they might use Zach Wilson's knees an excuse to give Mike White another look against the Bills. If Mike White's forearm is good, and by all indications, he said after the game on Thursday that his forearm started regaining the feeling in it after the start of the second half, late in the fourth quarter, and they said, you know what, at this point we're too far out, but we're not going to risk it. I think they gave him a shot here against the Bills. I think he plays well. Then you have a conversation. The rest is here to figure out when to get Wilson back in there because he's going to play again. Kobe's learned from watching White, watching Josh Johnson, and you got to develop these young players. There will be opportunities here for the Jets to get wins. They still have two games against the Dolphins who are behind them in the standings because they played a game more and they're two and seven instead of two and six of the Jets. They play the Jaguars. They play Houston. They play Philly. I expect them to get three or four more wins. They're not going to sweep those bad teams. I think they're going to probably split most of those games. They also are probably going to steal one that we don't think is going to happen. We've already done that twice with the Tech, with the Titans and the Bengals. We're going to get one more of those where they pick up a win you're not expecting them to. I think about six wins where they're going to end up. That's where I said at the beginning of the season. I think it's going to be a very long rope they're going to get there. The Giants, in the hand, they did what they needed to do in Week 9. They picked up a good win over the Raiders, 23-16 at home. They are now hitting the bye 3-6. and six. So that's the best performance they've had after nine games since the 2016 playoff run, which is absurd. It tells you how bad the Giants have been, but there is some stuff to watch here. The division is toast because even though Dallas got whitewashed by the Broncos in week nine, they are six and two. They are in first place. They have a head-to-head of the Giants. The division is gone. The mediocre state of the NFC wildcard picture, though, has been played for it. The seventh seed right now in week nine, the Atlanta Falcons, they are four and four. The six is New Orleans. The Giants have a head-to-head tiebreaker against, by the way. Do not forget that. They beat them in New Orleans in week four. They are five and three. Giants get the rest of the way is not bad. They come off the break. They have Tampa in Tampa on Monday night. It's going to be tough. But then Philly at the Dolphins, at the Chargers, who have been more beatable of late, the Cowboys at home, at the Eagles, at the Bears in Washington. You figure here that there's a lot of games they can win. If they can get to 9-8, that means they go 6-2 and two down the stretch. You probably pick up a win in that against either Dallas, the Bucks, or the Chargers in there. Anything's possible if they get to 9-8, which is not what the Giants fans want to hear. We'll talk more about the locals in the coming weeks, but up next, we're going to take a look at the NFL at midseason with fan sides Matt Verderam right after this call from CBS's Jim Nance and Tony Romo from Sunday's Browns blowout win over the Bengals in Cincinnati. He's had seven carries for 40 yards and a touchdown. They give it to him. They give it to him on second and 10, and he breaks a big one. He might take it all the way. As Chubb takes it to the end zone for the touchdown. 70 yards. Coach Stefanski. Here's your next-gen stats. Hand the ball to that guy. It's going to work. Do it a little bit more. All right, we are back here talking the NFL at the halfway point of the season. Join me today, Fansites NFL Insider, Matt Verderam is here. Matt, how are you? Great, Michael. How are you doing? Doing pretty good. I got to say, this is probably one of the weirdest NFL seasons I've ever seen. What are you thoughts so far? It's wide open. It's wide open. You know, I think, you know, last year you kind of looked at it and as the year went on, it seemed like it was Kansas City against the rest of the NFL. And of course, Tampa Bay got hot and they're winning it all. The year prior to that, it was Baltimore and New England. The case she came on late, the Niners. This year, I could make a case for 10 different teams. 
I could make a case that, hey, you know what? Tennessee's for real. They're going to win it all. Arizona's for real. They're going to win it all. Hey, the Rams are going to be just fine. They're going to win it all. I mean, you could go on down the list. There's a lot of teams. And I, I think the AFC in particular is a conference where you look at it and just go, I mean, anything, absolutely anything could happen in that conference. It is as wide open as it gets. Oh, yeah, for sure. Let's take a minute, though, before we get to the fun stuff and get, get rid of the obligatory New York teams out of the way because I'm New York based and they both stink. So I started with the Jets because obviously they made the news today. We're recording on Wednesday at, afternoon that they named Mike White the starter on Sunday here. And it sounds like he, his job for now until he loses it. So what do you think about that call? I think they made the right decision with that. Look, he's played the best. I mean, at this point, you got to play it. In that. I get it. Zach Wilson's the number two overall pick. And if you're going to put him on the bench for Mike White, like that says something about Zach Wilson. But are you there to win? If you're there to win, you play the best player. And you lose that locker room if you don't play him. I really believe that. I think the Air 52 guys are going, what the hell? Why, why is, is Mike White not starting? If, if, if Zach Wilson is the player the Jets believe he is, believe he was and they took him, he will eventually take that job and run with it. And if he doesn't, if he can't beat out Mike White, then he wasn't the answer to begin with. Yeah, I think I totally agree with you there because I think the, from what we saw, I guess the Bengals say, oh, maybe it's one game is a fluke. And you come in and see Josh Johnson run the offense just as well. And they're moving the ball. And Zach Wilson has done the thing all year. The Jet fans are sitting there just wondering, like, what's going on here with Zach? And I think the room would have freaked out if Zach got his job back after White and Johnson both did better. Yeah, I mean, look, at some point, it's a productions-based business, right? I mean, it just is. And Zach Wilson has not played well this year. Now, look, I don't think they've surrounded him with a ton of help. I don't think he's given him a lot of chance. But I think at the same point, Mike White has outplayed him. It's a small sample size. Maybe that's just a one game and it's a Matt Flynn thing. But for now, he has outplayed him. Give him a shot against the Bills. The Bills have had a great defense all year. If Mike White torches Buffalo, then I think you've got to start looking at him more serious. Yeah, I agree. Let's go to the Giants now, too. The Giants are a team that cannot figure out what the hell their actual end game is here because I feel like they're in another sports now. I feel like they're the team is upside the eight seed in the NBA where they're going to get in the playoffs at best and lose around immediately. But what do you think about these seeing the Giants this year? Because I feel like I have no idea what to make of them because I can't tell what they do well, what what the plan is. No idea what's going on with them. I don't think they're well coached. And when you're not well coached, you don't have much of a shot. You know, I know after they lost in Kansas City last week, Joe Judge is talking about that their headsets haven't worked for months. I mean, maybe get some better headsets. And I, I, I don't know how, like that's been going on for months. Uh, what are you doing? Jason Garrett, He's not been a successful offensive mind at any point in time in recent memory. Like, what, why is he your offensive coordinator? Um, I think Daniel Jones is an NFL quarterback, but I think he's a marginal starter. And that's pretty much what you've seen. You know, if he's not turning the ball over, he's very conservative. And while that's better than turning the ball over, you're not going to win a ton of games with him playing the way he's played. They've also had injuries, to be fair to them. They've been really banged up. They've had a lot of guys out, but, um, I just think the Giants, look, they have two first-round picks next year, and I think they've really got to weaponize. they got to, they got to figure it out. And this is not a class to find the quarterback. So, you know, I've talked to some people around the league who say, look, if you need a quarterback, you better have some picks and, and go trade them for a vet. Go get Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, Sean Watson pending his legal situation. So I think if you're a team that needs a quarterback, and I think the Giants do, you might start looking into those scenarios. Yeah, it makes some, makes some sense. I want to go now to the team. I feel like you've covered a lot on fan side over at Arrowhead Ag as well, the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. And this is a team going in the air. Everyone's like, oh, Airmail's the Super Bowl, and then Buffalo challenged them. 
Here they are in midseason. They're five and four. They can't seem to get out of the wrong way. You've seen them very closely. What exactly happened to the Chiefs? Well, a few things. So defensively, the first six weeks of the year, five weeks of the year, they were awful. Couldn't stop anybody. I mean, it was literally, in some cases, historically bad. They have rectified that now by switching out personnel. You know, they've really gone younger, faster, Juan Thornhill at safety, Nick Bolton and, and Willie Gay at linebacker. They've kicked Chris Jones back inside where he belongs. Frank Clark has gotten healthy. He's played a hell of a lot better. Uh, Rashad Fenton has taken over from Mike Hughes at corner. He's played really well. So de- de- defensively, if I could say that, defensively, I think they are much improved. But early in the year, they were a train wreck. Now, offensively, they're struggling. They they do not have a third weapon that they can scare anybody with. And so teams are just doubling Hill and doubling Kelsey and, and doing everything they possibly can to take them away. But shockingly, their biggest problem has been the quarterback. Mahomes has just been very erratic this year. He's had games where he's been him, and he's looked unbelievable. He's had other games where he's not patient. He doesn't want to take time. I thought today, actually, on, the, on Wednesdays we're recording this, he had an interesting quote. Uh, to the Kansas City local media where he said, I'm paraphrasing, but he essentially said, look, you know, now that our defense is playing the way it's playing, I don't feel like I have to force the ball as much, which is a step. I, and I think he's speaking the truth. The last game was the first time he didn't turn the ball ever since week one. So if, I think if you're the Chiefs, if your big issue is Patrick Mahomes, that's probably a good place to be. Like at some point, that's coming, which is why they continue to be a favorite in every one of these games, even though they're on the road, like, they're a two-and-a-half-point favorite in Vegas. Vegas has outplayed them this year. Yeah. But I think I think the, the betting public goes, look, if you're if you're a sports book, you don't want to be laying three to the Chiefs, and then all of a sudden, you know, Mahomes is that game, they score 45 points, and you just took a bath. So I think they'll figure it out, and I think they're the kind of team that regardless of their seed, if they get in the playoffs, do you really want to see them? That, that, you know, you're probably not looking forward to seeing Kansas City roll in. Oh, for sure. And I think the other result in week nine, I'm sorry, missed five D was the Dallas Denver game where Dallas basically gets taken to the woodshed by the Broncos who looked awful against good teams until that week. So like, did that change at all? What you think about the Cowboys this year? No, I think sometimes games like that happen. I, I just think, you know, the, the Cowboys had a couple fourth down conversions. They didn't get, they had that crazy block punt to turn to a first down for Denver. That was just one of those games, you know, the late great Therese Peller always used to call Madden games, where it was just like the game just decided it was beating you no matter what. And I think that was kind of what you saw in that game. I, look, Den- Denver to me is what Denver's been all year long, which is a team that beats bad teams and loses to good ones. That just happened to be an outlier. Came out, played really well, and, and Dallas didn't. But I don't I don't look at that all of a sudden and say, oh, that's, that's indicative now, and, and that's where we have to go. I think that's it's too short-sighted. But, but last week had a lot of crazy results. That was one of them. Arizona beating San Francisco, killing San Francisco with Colt McCoy and no DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, what would the odds have to have been for you to take that Jacksonville is going to win against Buffalo and not score a touchdown? You would be a pretty good parlay on that. It's unbelievable, right? I mean, Jacksonville didn't score a touchdown and beat the Bills. I I mean, who, who thought in a million years that was even possible? Yeah, I certainly didn't. I'll say that much. I also think in terms of the AFC, it brings up a good point because that conference, I mean, a couple weeks ago, I did for fans, I, I tried to power out the favorites. It's such a hard task. I had Tennessee number one. I think I, I'm happy I did that because they've looked held up so far. But right now, you can make the case for like six seventeen to get the Super Bowl of the AFC. You could make a lot of different cases in the AFC. You, you could sit there and say, all right, Buffalo is the most complete team. Baltimore has the most electrifying quarterback at the moment and is a tough guy to defend in football. 
and, and they got a hell of a coach. You can make the argument Tennessee is beating the Bills, Chiefs, the Rams, Seahawks. You got a hell of a resume. You can make the argument you look at Kansas City and go, look, I don't care if they're five and four. That team, when they're right, they're the best team in football. And if they get right, nobody's beating them. You could, I mean, I don't know that you can make a case for any of the other ones. I mean, I know Raider fans, Chargers fans might say, well, look, the Chargers to me are too bad defensively. And, and they're just so young. Like, I, I don't, I can't make that case in good faith. But those other four teams, I, I mean, I could make that case all day, but I, I will say this. I think that any team in the AFC that plays wildcard weekend could win or lose. Any of them. I wouldn't be shocked if Cincinnati went to Arrowhead and beat them. I also wouldn't be shocked if the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. I wouldn't be surprised if the Bills won the Super Bowl or if they lost to the Colts in a 2-7 game. I just, you you know, the AFC is so bizarre. And I don't think there's a ton of separation. I mean, look at the Ravens, right? The Ravens go out and kill the Chargers. And everybody's going nuts. And then turn around, and it's like they, they get killed by Cincinnati. They barely beat Minnesota in overtime. I don't know what to make with, with that team. I don't know what to do with it. Cleveland's another one. Cleveland could beat anybody on a given Sunday. Cleveland also could lose to Jacksonville. Like, I, it's just, it's so weird this year because there's nobody that you look at and go, that's the team. That's the team that's better than everybody else. Yeah, I mean, there were a point we thought Cincinnati could be really good. They were the number one seed in the AFC, and they go get smoked by Mike White. They get murdered by the Browns at home, and you're sitting there like, they're not real either. So it's just one of those years in the AFC. I really believe, and I know from just talking to people in the NFL for years, the thought among many of them is that Thanksgiving is the line of demarcation. That's when the good teams, the true contenders, start revving it up. They start getting good. They start running tables. Like that's, and with the extended schedule now, that's about seven games worth of football. That's a lot of football. And I think you know that that is kind of you know at that point, of course, everybody said they're by. You know, most of your long-term injuries, knock on wood, are, are out of the way at that point. Like you kind of know who you are, what you're about, what you're good at, what you're not, who who else is good around you, what their strengths and weaknesses are. So I, I do believe that. I, I concur. I, I think Thanksgiving is that moment. And if you look back, the last two Super Bowl champs, Tampa Bay was seven and five, had a bye week, came out of it. It didn't lose. An, they did not lose another football game. They won the Super Bowl. You're prior to that. Kansas City was six and four, not playing well. Looked like they were going to be a third seed, maybe a fourth seed. Didn't lose another game. So there is something to that. I, I do believe it. And look, I, I think we're going to find out in the Asia. I think by the time we get to the playoffs, there's going to be a team with you. Like, okay, those are the favorites. Or that's the favorite. Well, right now, it's kind of like, I don't know. You know, like I look at the Titans and say, I think by resume, they have to be. But if I'm being totally honest, like if the Titans play Baltimore in a playoff game, Probably take Baltimore. Yeah. You know, if the, if the Titans played Kansas City, even though they boat race Kansas City, I'd probably take the Chiefs in that game. Like, I would just believe that the Chiefs in that game are going to figure it out. I, you know, and that's and, but who knows? It's so wide open. It, it really is. It's it's so hard to say. Yeah, I thought it was a good point about those teams. It's sort of the last Super Bowl chance of both like two games over five hundred and just hammering out the midpoint. Then all of a sudden they got hot in the Super Bowl. The AFC is a pile of those teams. I feel like whether it's Pittsburgh, New England, Cleveland. The Bengals, you can throw the Colts in there, four and five. Like, there's something in that middle pack, and I'll throw the AFC West teams as well, like take Kansas City out because that's their different beats. But, like, somebody in that crowd you think can just all of a sudden just get hot and make a deep run here. I think of anybody, you know, 
first of all, if I have to be totally honest, no, I, I don't. I, I don't. I think I think in the AFC, eventually it's going to be Buffalo, Tennessee, Kansas City, and Baltimore. And those teams are going to find themselves in the divisional rounds and they're going to just they're going to get after it. And, I, and if I have to be really honest, even though I think Tennessee's got the best resume, they have the worst quarterback of the four. Tano's not bad, but he's not deserved three guys. Um, and I, and I also think Vrabel's a good coach, but I think he's the fourth of those four coaches. Um, but if I had to pick of those other teams, I guess, I guess I would say the chargers because of Herbert, you know, he's just, he's a great player. I want to say Cleveland, but I don't believe in them for one second with that defense. And I don't believe in Mayfield. I just don't, I can't get past it. Every time I watch Mayfield play a football game, I'm like, he's, he's, he's Kirk Cousins. Like he's fine, but he's not going to win you a big game. I I think the Chargers have to be the pick because the coach, who I like, the quarterback, who I love, and the weaponry, I think they could get in the games where they could outscore some teams. Yeah, it makes some sense. Let's go to the NFC side. I feel like the NFC side is much more competitive because I think there's the five really good teams in the NFC, then the other two spots are kind of up for grabs. So, like, of that hierarchy of Arizona, the Packers, Cowboys, Rams, and I forget who my, my fifth is here. Oh, Tampa Bay, so... Of those five, who's your favorite to come out of the NFC right now? Flip a coin. Flip a coin. Uh, you know, I, I think I think it would have to be our, again, kind of like Tennessee, Arizona by resume. It's Arizona. Arizona's been great across the board. But again, if Arizona plays Tampa Bay in a playoff game, like I'm taking Tampa to win that game. I don't care. If you're telling me that Cliff Kingsbury is stopping Tom Brady. Good luck. I, I'm not taking that bet. So I still I still like either Tampa or the Rams. I, I, I still think those two teams in the playoffs. I just and I, I get any fan who's a Cardinals fan is like, what the hell? What like, you haven't you've never been in that spot. You've never done it. Now it, to be fair, neither is Stafford. Stafford has never won anything in his career. That matters to me. Prescott's won a couple playoff games. Rodgers has won, obviously, Super Bowl, been a million playoff games. I just – I do believe that stuff matters in January. I really do. And so I still would ride with the Bucks. I still think when push comes to shove, that team is the most talented of the group. They're, they're well coached all the way around, coordinators included, great coordinators. I think the Buccaneers are still the best team. But that conference is so tight with all those teams at the top. And I'll tell you, I think they're going to win the Super Bowl. I would not want to be the team if Seattle ends up being like a seven seed and gets in. Who has to face them in the first round? That is a rough matchup. You're getting this, you're in there, all of a sudden you get that team. You get Russell Wilson. I wouldn't want to play them. Yeah, and, and then you mentioned the bottom of the NFC race. Obviously, it's wide open because New Orleans sitting there five and three. They don't have the, they lost their quarterback for the season. Atlanta's four and four right now. I don't really think people buy them. And you have that sort of Minnesota, no. like the Giants, Seattle, a lot of these mediocre teams. The Niners are in there as well. It's like it's I like Seattle Wilson's obviously the X factor, but like who else would you keep an eye on in that group? I think of all those Seattle's the only team because of the quarterback. I New Orleans isn't doing anything. They have no quarterback. They get killed in the first round of the playoffs. I Atlanta is Atlanta until proven otherwise. The Niners stink. The NFC East is an atrocity. Like the AFC, there's this huge list of teams. You're like, well, anybody can win any given day. Like, you know, I think in the NFC it's those top five, and then Seattle's the wild card. Seattle's the team. Like if you, let's just, let's just say that Seahawks are the seventh seed and, and the Saints end up getting in as a sixth. You are praying in the NFC. You're either the one or the three. Like you want no, but you know what that four or five games gonna be like in the NFC. Things gonna be a bloodbath. 
you're going to have two of those top five teams playing in the wild card round. I mean, you're going to have that great of a year, and you're not going to win one playoff game. Yeah. That is brutal. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, everybody's going to be lining up to play the Saints. You know, right, look, hey, we respect Peyton. We respect the defense. Come on now. You can't beat Trevor Simeon in a playoff game. You ought to give it up. Yeah, that's for sure. I want to touch on real quick. This is the midway point here. So who do you think is the most surprising team in the first half? Who do you think has had the biggest, like, overachieving or compared to expectations? Overachieve? Um, trying to rattle them off. Arizona. Yeah. Arizona. I I think everybody – like, I know for me, and I said this, and I think a lot of people said this, like, they're going to be the best last place team you've ever seen. Well, as it turns out, not so much. Like, they're they're really, really good. I, I was so high on them last year. They were my sleeper pick. Started at five and two. I felt great about it. And then the wheels fell off. And so this year I was kind of like, I think they're going to win nine games. Is that division so damn tough? Like, nope. Like they're rolling. They're really, really good. I think they're the most surprising team in that regard. I think the most disappointing team has got to be Miami. That team's a mess. I mean, Kansas City in a way, but Kansas City might still end up winning the Super Bowl. Like I can't really throw them in there. Like Miami is a disaster. How are you that bad? You won 10 games last year and you're just sitting there two and seven. I mean, it's just abominable. I, I, I don't know what happened to them, but that they're extremely disappointing. I think the thing that happens is they whiffed on every draft pick they had in all those trades. I mean, I can't think of the last guy they drafted who's actually been like a pot, net positive for them. No, no. And you know what? Look, let's, let's just be real. I, I know I keep harping on all these teams. It's all about the quarterbacks. It just is. It's it just this. And today's NFL, now I'm 33 years old. I grew up in the, in the 90s where. Neil O'Donnell going to a Super Bowl didn't shock anybody. It was like, oh, well, they run the ball really well and they have great defense. And, you know, that's just not the way it is anymore. It doesn't matter. It, it, you know, I don't want to say that complimentary ball has no place in the NFL. It certainly does. But, like, if you have a quarterback, you can win. And I think a lot of these teams, like, look, the Cardinals whiffed on Josh Rosen. To their undying credit, instead of trying to make it work, they're like, nope, he's terrible. We're drafting Kyler Murray. It worked out. I mean, a lot of people thought they were nuts when they did that. Worked out. Two attack of Iloa has not been good. They have not helped him with a horrible offensive line. They've yo-yoed around the guy. Like, I actually feel for him, but he's not been good. And if you whiff on your quarterback, you are screwed. I don't care what else you get right. You're not going to win. And, and they, they have whiffed on the quarterback position time and again since San Marino retired 20 years ago. Yeah, sure. I also throw out one other one I feel like does not get enough credit for being disappointment because I think the head coach gets so, so much more credit than what his actual resume is. San Francisco, you, I think apart from 19, he's been a massive disaster the entire time he's been there. He has like his reputation and offensive genius. Nobody gives him a hard time for it. The Niners have, ne- have really underachieved again. No doubt. No doubt. Um, and I, I agree with you. Michael. you know, I look at them and I say, yeah, yeah, the one year you went to the Super Bowl. Other than that, you've done nothing. Nothing in what now five years? I mean, they never won anything. They're just, they win five games, four games, six games. I agree, you know. And, and I always hear, well, they have a lot of injuries. Okay, well, it's NFL. I mean, figure it out. I, I don't know what else to tell you. I mean, they they have been disappointing. I you know to me, and maybe it's just me. The Vikings too. Got to throw them in there too. I mean, my God, how how much more talent do you need to win a football game? I mean, every every week you watch them and they find a new way to piss away a win. Like, it's just incredible. But they do it without fail. Yeah, they do. Now that Dalvin Cook mess swirling around, too, that's another problem for them. Yep. Yeah, that's that's weird. There's a lot going on there. Um, so I won't even I won't even get into that. But yeah, it's uh it's not good. It's not helping. 
It's not helping. All right. Two two quick things before we go. Number one, as of recording time, Odell Beckham is not signed yet. Where do you think he lands? I think it's between Green Bay and Kansas City. Um, I think he'll go to Green Bay. He'll be the number two option there. You know, Devontae Adams, he talked to him, he's high on him. But I think I think those two teams made the most sense. You know, I said I said yesterday, the Saints make sense because he's from there, went to school there. But like, I don't. You want to go catch balls from Trevor Simeon? Like that's how you're going to build up your value. I, I don't see that. So I think he goes to Green Bay. But I think I think between them and the Chiefs, Troy coin flip. All right, that's that's a good one. The number two here is obviously we're getting ready for Week Ten here. Like, got some interesting matches on the schedule. What are you most excited to watch this week in Week Ten? There are some good games. You know. Maybe being a little bit of a homer, I I will start with the Kansas City Vegas game. That game, whoever wins that game is is in great position, and whoever loses, you're in some trouble. Um, you're in real trouble. Uh, so I, and it's a rivalry game. It's a huge game. Um, and then I, I look at Green Bay and Seattle. That's a great game. You know, you're getting both quarterbacks back, or at least it seems like you will. So that's really exciting. Um, I, I'm looking forward to to Cleveland, New England. I mean, can Mayfield beat Belichick in this game? I don't know, but he they need to win. Like they, they need to keep the train rolling a little bit. What can they do? It's a big game for them. Uh they they are both five and four, but this game feels much bigger for Cleveland in a weird way, even though they're on the road. Like they, they have to find a way. And then in a weird way, I, I'm kind of interested in the Jets and the Bills. The Bills, I mean, they just lost to Jacksonville. They did not play well the week before against Miami. Mike White has become like a cult hero. Like, is Mike White going to play well again? I, I, if that game's close in the third quarter, I'm very interested. Like, I will tune in and watch that game. So there, there's a lot of a lot of intrigue this week. And by the way, the Chargers Vikings game. That game I'm interested in only because it's crap show potential of the week. Anything is possible in that game. So I'm I'm in on that as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm watching that one. I'm going to pick that one later on in the podcast. I'll be curious to see like where that ends up going. And hopefully I pick the right choice on that one. But I will say Titans is underrated because the Saints is a big spot for them to try and win this game on the road. It's a winnable game for them, but they have to actually play defense against this Tennessee offense. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. It's a it's a it's a big game for New Orleans. If they can win this game, they gotta feel real good about getting the playoffs. All right, Matt, thanks all the time. I really appreciate it. Before I let you go, I hope you follow on social media, keep up with what we're doing over at FanSided. Yeah, so obviously, first of all, check out fanside.com. We have a, a ton of great writers uh, who are dedicated as all get out to covering the NFL and, and getting you all the best content. Um, my column, Stack the Box, goes up every Monday morning. If quarterback rankings, power rankings on Tuesdays, and then picks on Thursdays. Uh, and then also, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm on there way too much. Uh, it's at Matt Verderam. Follow me there. Uh, so listen, always happy to chat and talk ball. And uh, I really appreciate the time today. Yeah, also tell people out there, check out the Stack in the Box podcast right here, more from Matt. And follow, if you're a big Chiefs guy, keep an eye on Matt's Twitter. Matt's a lot of stuff on there. For sure. Uh, Stack in the Box podcast, uh, we do that once a week, every Tuesday, in the Arrowhead Addicts podcast, which is Sundays and Thursdays. All right, Matt, thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. And a problem. Show me the money. All right, show me the money. NFL picks are here for week number 10. We are just past the halfway point of the season. Joining me today, good friend of mine. We have not had him on the podcast a little bit, but I'm glad to welcome back Jersey Joe Arquino. Jersey Joe, how are you? I am very good, my friend. I, I really enjoy it anytime I'm able to come on. And this is the first time it's over. I, I'm seeing your face while I'm doing it. So 
Uh, pretty cool stuff, and thank you for having me on. Yeah, I think the last time we talked, I think we were talking after the Chargers took Herbert. That's how long ago it was. It is, you know, <laughs> that, 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 if that doesn't put it in perspective, I don't know what is. So it's uh, it's really good to be able to do it again. Yeah, and Jersey Joe is a big Chargers guy. Chargers are one of the more interesting teams of the season so far, and they had an interesting game against the Eagles, Joe. I mean, they struggled a little bit. Just never had a big game. The defense had some issues. What was your big takeaways from that game against the Eagles? I think if you had to sum it up in one word, it'd probably be resiliency. I think, you know, coming into this one, they'd lost two in a row. The one against the Patriots after their bye week was a really tough one. The Baltimore one was really not pretty. Um, and, and coming into the game, Justin Herbert, I mean, what he was saying is anything you'd want out of a franchise quarterback. He said all the right things um, about, you know, you, you just have to battle back. You have to, you have to persevere. And uh, if, if anything, that was a very difficult road win, road win against a very hostile environment. And uh, for them to finally get themselves back on track and right the ship could have easily been another lo another loss. And that would have been three in a row. Um, and after all the momentum they'd built up earlier in the season, that really could have derailed things. So I, I thought that was really an important win. And and for for Justin Herbert's confidence for the whole team um, to get out of that funk, uh, it was big. Yeah, for sure. And I think for me, the thing that's fascinating with them is that you mentioned they got that fast that they were four and one. People talking like, oh, they might be the best team in the AFC. They go to Baltimore, they get crushed. They go on the bye. They have not been the same since that game. Like, what do you think would happen there? Like, why do you think all of a sudden now, like the wheels have come off just a little bit with the Chargers? To me, you know, if, if I had to put put my finger on one thing, it, it's got to be the turnovers. In in the Baltimore game, Herbert had a turnover. The the Patriot game, he had two turnovers. On the season overall, he's got six turnovers. And, you know, I think if there's anything you see, we always say it, the, the margin of error is so small today. I mean, look last week how Buffalo and Jacksonville play, and Jacksonville is able to just get a grind out that win Week to week in this league, nobody knows what can happen. You could have the team that looks absolutely like the worst in the league, and week to week, you never know. They could go on and take down one of the big boys like the Bills. So the margin of error is so small. Every possession matters so very much. So when at the end of the day, turnovers is just killer. And, you know, I think we see a lot of times there's always a little bit of a sophomore slump with a lot of guys. Herbert overall, I think, has played well. But, you know, those turnovers in those two games, to me, that was the, the the thing that really kind of was the nail in the coffin for them. So for them, again, another positive in the Eagles game was did not turn the ball over. So I, I think for them moving forward, you got to be so mindful of turnovers. And when I look at the Baltimore game and then when I look at, of course, the New England loss, too, that's the thing that sticks out to me the most. Yeah, the thing I also noticed in those three games that those are three teams that run the football very well. And the Chargers, that people know, have the worst run defense in the NFL. They have 161 yards a game on the ground. That's a bit of a problem. Well, it is. And I think you go back to the to the Cleveland game when they were home team. I mean, that was a that if it wasn't for their great offense matching Cleveland, that could have been as ugly as it got. I mean, Cleveland just ran the ball all over them. And, you know, it's just one of those things where you got to tighten that up and it's easier said than done. But the only positive for them is when you've got Herbert, you always feel like you have a chance. Um, but certainly that is a something that they have to get improved moving forward. I mean, look at Kansas City. Kansas City coming into the year, week, I think everybody scratched their head at the beginning. Look at this defense. At the end of the day, you know, you, you got to, it's such an area that they've got to improve upon. So 
And the only good thing though is Justin Herbert. If he's got the ball and you get he can keep it close, they've got a chance. They do. And this week, I think their game is probably the most fascinating game of the week because I really have no idea how this could play out. This could go a lot of 50 different ways to match with the Vikings because the Vikings are one of those teams where they go out, they have these big dramatic performances, they win close, they lose close, they have mind blowing errors. So, like, they're charging out. They also have the distraction now, Dalvin Cook's legal thing going on here. So, what do you think the Chargers have to do here to beat this Viking team? I'm with you. The Vikings are a really hard team to peg. I mean, you look at them and you you feel like they could have a winning record at this point. It, it always seems like, you know, they, they seem to me to be one of the unluckiest teams in the league when it comes to finishes. It seems like at the end of games, if it's close and you're a betting man, probably you're going to win a bet if you're betting on them to for things not to go right in those last final moments. The only team where they, they were who was unluckier than them in that regard, I think, is the Lions. Yeah. And of course, we saw the one that one played out a couple weeks ago. So this is an, this is a tough one because, again, the Vikings are a really hard time to figure out. Um, but I, I think, like you said, there's there's a little bit of off the field stuff coming into this one for the Vikings. That's always something, you know, a little bit of a distraction. It could either work to as a benefit to rally the team or it could be a distraction. So either way you look at it, but I, I think for the Chargers, again, getting that W on the, on the road against Philly was big. I think that kind of takes a lot of pressure off. I think if they had lost that game, this would have put so much more pressure on them being back at home. Um, so I think it's a close one. Um, but I think, like I said, if it come, if it's close game, I just don't trust the Vikings. They just seem to be cursed when it comes to that. So I think in a close game, I'm going to give a little a little edge to the Chargers to pull it out being the home team. Yeah, I think the key to this game for them, obviously, is the run defense needs to be better here because Dalvin Cook will run for 150 on it. They can't stop him. It's true. And, and that that's that could be very – I mean, he 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 can – he's a power guy. He could run all over you. So that, that that's – I'm sure in the film rooms this week, they're circling on the board. That's the guy we got to keep our eye on. So, you know, they're going to be stacking the box for him. Yeah, there's going to be eight guys trying to tackle 33 from Minnesota. We'll see if it works for them. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, all right. Let's get to the picks, the reason why you're here. My friend Justin Diaz is here last week. He made a bold proclamation. He said he was going to go 3-0 and beat me on the week. He did not. He had a 1-2 week. He had the Ravens laying the 6.5 against those Vikings, and he took them. They won the game in overtime, not cover the spread. He had the Bengals laying 2.5 against the Browns. You know what happened there. The Bengals just got completely obliterated in the home field. He had the Patriots, though, as his one win, laying the 3.5, and, and they blew out the Panthers and get, gave Sandra more goes to look at. Yeah, that the all three of those were very interesting ones. I think the, the ball, again, it kind of goes that Viking thing again. They start that game out with a big lead early, and you're like, wow, I didn't see that one coming, and they just they can't pull it out. I think when it comes to the end, it's just one. They're just one of those teams. To me, the Lions, Vikings, and the Falcons. I don't know what it is, but they just seem doomed when it comes to finishing games. They're so unlucky. It's uh, whether it's a mistake, some a big play they give up. I don't know those three teams. Anytime I watch them, it's just like they can't pull it out. Something always goes wrong. So very sorry for those fan bases. It's not easy to watch. Yeah, I had a, I had a much better week. I went three and zero. There it is. Better than that. Well done. Yeah. So last week I actually took your team. I thought the Chargers laid the point and a half in Philly against the Eagles. I thought the line was too low, and they did. They scared me a little bit, but they got it. I had the Giants plus three. They won the game outright against the Raiders. I had the Bears on Monday getting six and a half points. I figured the Steelers couldn't cover that biggest spread, and if not for the referees, I might have won that outright. But I at least got the cover. 
Gotcha. Hey, I think you and Justin Fields are both uh, not too happy with the officiating from that game. So. Oh, no. That was, that was not good. I'm not going to waste 10 minutes ranting about the officials in that game. That was, that was not good. So on the, that's a, that could be a, a segment of its own. Yeah, we're not going to go there today, though. So on the year, the challengers are 9-17-1. It's not been a good year. I'm not doing much better. I'm only 14-13. and 13. I barely got back over 500. So I'm going to try. We're trying to get some momentum going here, get things going the right direction. How are you feeling today, Joe? Ah, you know, I'm hoping I'm going to do pretty good, Mike. You know, it, it's again, this is a very hard lead to predict week to week. Anything can happen. The margin of error is so small. So uh, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Hopefully we can get a good one. All right. Let's get this thing going here. Since you are the guest, you may go first. Where are you going with pick number one? All right. Pick number one. I'm going Cowboys uh, minus nine over Atlanta. Uh, last week, I, I, I think we all were kind of sitting there watching shocked at how, how inept Dallas's offense looked. Um, I, I think I do not see that happening again. I think, again, coming being back at home, Dak's going to be fired up. They're really going to be wanting to click on all cylinders. I see a lot of points in this game, and I think they're going to kind of get back on track with a big win here with a lot of points. Yeah, I love that pick. I think this is one where Atlanta's walking into a firestorm. They're going to Dallas can come out angry. They're going to try and put up a big number here. And Denver's defense is a lot better than Atlanta's defense. That's a big issue that the Falcons have to deal with this week. Yes, that's very well said. Where are you going with pick number two? Pick number two, I've got Lions plus nine over the Steelers. I just watch week after week, and I keep saying, one of these times, it's got to be the Lions' day. They're coming off their bye week. It's a short week for Pittsburgh. I'm still not totally sold on Pittsburgh. They've been, they're tough. They fight hard, but... I think the Lions are due. We saw in that Ram game, the Lions pulled out absolutely everything. I think they are so desperate for a win, they're going to throw the whole playbook out there after after an extra week to rest up and prepare. So I've got the Lions getting their first win of the season and ending a lot of misery for those poor Lion fans. That would be a lot of fun to watch. I will say, I also like the idea of fade the Steelers when they're favored because, just again, they don't score a lot of points. And it, I get Detroit's bad. Detroit does have those games once in a while. They just show up and they're playing you much tighter. We saw what happened with the Ravens, saw what happened with the Rams. I definitely see that here. I definitely see the logic of the pick. Plus, you're getting almost 10 points. So, if they lose by a touchdown, you're good. There you go. Well said. All once right. Again. Pick number three. Where are you going? All right, the final one I've got, the Titans minus three over the Saints. A lot of people like New Orleans here, and last week I thought Tennessee, with their big game they had against the Rams, with Derrick Henry being out, I, I, I thought that one, I thought I was like, all right, that's it, Tennessee, they're done. For them to have that huge win without Derrick Henry, that really impressed me. This is a team that just always finds a way to win. I am not no longer doubting the Titans. Uh, I, I think they're just a tough, well-coached team, and they, they just have that next-up mentality. No matter what happens or who doubts them, they just keep finding a ways to win. So I've uh, I've learned my lesson, and uh, I'm getting on the Titans bandwagon. Yeah, the Titans get no respect, I feel like. And they go out to just beat everybody in the league. It was like, ah, I'm waiting for the wheel to fall off. And I'm like, what if it doesn't fall off? So I'm not betting on Trevor Simeon to be the one to stop, knock them off. So I like that. I, I thought the same thing. The quarterback <laughs> for the situation for the for the Saints, just that's another thing that just made me even more sure of it. All right. So you were on the board with your picks. Pick number one. You might not be happy with me. I'm taking the Vikings, getting the points out in L.A. against your guys, the Chargers. I think this for me. This feel, I've had a gut all week that Minnesota's going to win this game. I think this is a lot of Dalvin Cook running the ball down their throats. I think that this is a spot where the Chargers coming off the big win, flying back home. 
You know, for all I do, that they never have good home field advantage in SoFi because all the visiting fans come in. The Viking fans will be there. I think it's going to be a tight game. I'm going to take the Vikings getting the points. I could very easily be wrong on this, but I have a gut, so I'm going to go with it. You know, road teams have done well in the NFL this season. Uh, and it, again, it's one of those things. You, your, your logic is very is very reasonable. The, if they can run the ball effectively, it could be a very long day. But again, my thing on it is just, I, I think it's a close game. And in a close game, I'm not, I just don't have faith in the Vikings. So that's my reason for the Chargers at home. But this is really, this is a coin flip game to me, it really is. Yeah, I feel dumb for picking it, but I just had a gut, so I'm gonna go with it. We'll go with, we'll go nah, with that. go with the yeah. gut, always go with your gut. All right, that's good. That's pick number one. Pick number two, I'm gonna lay the big one. I'm gonna lay the 10 and a half points to the Colts at home against the Jaguars. And the Jaguars had their moment. They beat the Bills. They scored nine points. That's not going to be good enough against the Indianapolis Colts. So we saw what they did to my team last week when they just ran for over 260 yards on the ground. This is going to be another blowout at home for the Colts. Carson went quietly, 17 touchdowns, three picks. Jaguars are not going to be close in this game. The Colts win by at least two touchdowns. Give me the Colts laying all those points, pick two. I like Trevor Lawrence a lot. I was very happy to see him get win number two last week. Um, but I'm with Carson, uh, Carson Wentz. That San Francisco game in the rain, that was really a big performance for me. And I think from the, the Colts are really hitting their stride. Um, they really seem to be clicking right now. So uh, this is definitely a good time to be on the Colts uh, side. All right, so that's pick number two. Pick number three. This one, I'm. this is a risky pick because it's on Monday night. I'm picking the road team. I'm taking the Rams laying the four against the Niners. And this is more of an anti-Niner pick here because... I feel like Kyle Shanahan as a coach is vastly, vastly overrated because apart from 2019 when they went to the Super Bowl, that team does nothing. They win five games a year. Everyone's waiting for the Niners to break out. Then we hear, oh, they have injuries. Oh, they had this go wrong. And it's just not that good. And they're only laying for the Rams, coming off a loss. I think it's going to be a spot where they just go out and pose their will on the Niners in the road. This could be ugly. I'm going to lay the four at the Rams the last pick of the week. I'm glad someone said it because I agree with you about Shanahan. I think I, I think he really has been very overhyped coach. Um, and the Rams, like you said, they they've bounced back. They've been a team that really. I mean, you look at the Arizona game. Uh, the two of them, Murray and Stafford, coming into that game, it was like the battle of who's going to be the MVP. They lost that one pretty handily. They come back and they respond. So the Rams have been a team that, that they've got some good veteran leaders there, like Andrew Whitworth. So I think it's a team that uh, has got some good veteran leadership. They're ready to bounce back, and I'm with you. I, I think that's a solid one. All right, so to reset the picks here, Joe is going with the Dallas Cowboys laying nine home against the Atlanta Falcons. The Detroit Lions getting nine in Pittsburgh against the Steelers. And last but not least, I have to look it up again. I, for, I forgot your last pick there. but who Oh, you? I'm sorry. Titans yeah. over the Saints. Yeah, Titans laying the three at home against the Saints. I am going to go with my big three here. I'm going to go with the Rams on Monday night laying the four against the Niners. The Colts laying ten and a half in home against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And the Minnesota Vikings getting two and a half on the road against Jersey Joe's Chargers. And those are your picks for week number 10 on the podcast. Coming up next week, Joe, my good friend Dandy Martinez is going to join us to talk about his Colts next week coming off that Jaguar game. And hopefully they don't screw me and lose that pick. <laughs> Well, if they do, you've got a good person to vent to, so that, that, that'll make for some good radio. Yeah, at least some good radio, and it's also a good time getting him on next week because I don't know if you're following the HBL, like, in-season Hard Knocks debuts next week and the Colts with the team. Ah, that, that's pretty cool. I, I You know, I, I 
didn't, wasn't even thinking about that. So that that'll be even cooler to get his perspective on that. Yeah, so I'm excited about that because I think it'll be fun to see what happens with the Colts. Like I'm seeing hard knocks in season because that's something we've never really seen before. It's like them following a team, like actually trying to make the playoffs as they're going. It is, and it, they're kind of that perfect team where they're fighting and they're hit. Like we've talked about, they're hitting their stride right now. Wentz is playing very, very well. So uh, you could have you could have gotten a lot more less interesting teams for this to follow. So that that's pretty cool. Yeah, imagine they picked the Dolphins. How bad that would have been. If you not a good if the Dolphins or the Texans that <laughs> that would not be good TV. No, Miami was a team early in the year. I would have thought they might have gotten there because they were coming in like oh they're calling for ten win season, all like all the big offseason moves, all the hype. Now it's under two and seven. The season's over. Yeah, it's uh not not a good time to follow them. The other team, uh, the other Florida team, Tampa Bay. It's uh much much better watching over there. Yeah, and one more piece of business here. I do the knockout pick every week, but. I am done. Oh, good for you. I lost the Cowboys last week with my pick, and they got boat raced by Denver, so I am done after nine weeks. And you know what? That that was still one. I mean, I still remember sitting on the couch watching that one, just thinking, you know, again, that's not – Denver's defense is very, very good, um, but especially after trading Von Miller to the Rams – uh, they, they still, they lit it up. And that's one of the reasons I'm hopeful that, uh, that the Cowboys offense will be clicking on all cylinders this week and make my pick look good. Yeah, for sure. And it's one of those things, it's a weird Sunday, because obviously, you know, I'm a Jet fan. The Jets play on Thursday. So Sunday I have the Giants on. I'm doing a little thing. I focus on the football I usually am. I roll in about 315. I'm like, okay, I got to check my knockout pick. I see 30 nothing Broncos. I'm sitting there just going, oh my God. <laughs> it was so bad. <laughs> Yeah, that w- and again, it, it, it's part of the thing that makes the league so much fun is week to week, you turn on, turn on, turn it on, and you just you don't know who thought that the Bills. I mean, again, road games are tough, but who could have thought that the Bills would have walked in and and struggled as much as they did against Jacksonville? It, it's part of the thing, and you know the, the the closeness of the competition is just great. It's yeah. just awesome. Yeah, as Matt Verderam, I guess, in the podcast earlier said, like. How much money could you have made if you went into the week and said the Jaguars would beat the Bills without scoring an offensive touchdown or a touchdown in general? That's that's well said. Yeah, that that really is well said. Yeah, because you think about the the underdogs have been doing so well of late. Because especially these big underdogs like the Lions make kept things close, the Jets upset the Bengals, the Jaguars here. It's gonna be a fun week. I just think there's some interesting games this week. There, there's a lot of a lot, lot of room for for some upsets over here. So. uh we will see, but week to week, it's the league of upsets. Here's hoping I'm wrong about my upset pick here at the Vikings. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Again, I, I think it's a tough one. It really is. I, I really think it's a, it's a it's a coin flip game, um, but the pressure's on because the Chiefs are looking like they're starting to get a little bit of life back in their legs. Um, Denver is is still there. Oakland is, is, is picking up a little bit too. So uh, the AFC West is a very, very hard division right now. For sure. Jersey Joe, thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Before I let you go, I'll be with Fox Social and you keep on some of the stuff you're up to. Absolutely, my friend. So uh, anybody wants to follow me, I am on uh, Instagram, Jersey Joe Archino. And uh, same thing on Twitter. Uh, much appreciated, my friend. You do a fantastic job. So consistent. Uh, I mean, for years, you've had this thing churning out on a regular basis. And I really commend you for that consistency because it's not easy to do, but you have a lot of fun with it and you do a great job. So Keep on, keep up the great work. All right. Thanks again, Joe. I really appreciate it. Thank you, my friend. 
the two-minute drill. All right, two-minute drill time, and I want to say, it's just there are way too many scandals in sports these days. Just last week at the two-minute drill, I was talking about the Blackhawks scandal, how they covered a coach sexually assaulting a player for a decade. This week, you have a daring report from ESPN.com's Baxter Holmes dealing a lot of racism and misogyny from Phoenix Suns owner Robert Sarver. I'll link to the full story in the show notes for those who want more, because if I was going to go through the entire thing, it'd probably take us about an hour, but I'll give you some sample of what we're dealing with here. Sarver apparently uses the N-word a ton. One example, he included his belief in need to hire Earl Watson over Dan Marley's head coach because, quote, these N-words need an N-word to, quote, speak their language. There are plenty of examples besides that one in the piece of racially charged conversations with coaches, players, and agents. Then we have the good old misogyny angle. Sarver, in staff meetings, felt the need to describe times his wife performed oral sex on him and the types of condoms he wears. Charming talk from the owner of an NBA franchise. Another example from the report. In 2008-09 season, when Phoenix was hosting the All-Star Game, Sarver was prepared to fire a pregnant employee who was helping run Phoenix's All-Star Game preparation because she would be breastfeeding and need to be home with her newborn. Suns management thankfully had the smart to hey, this is illegal and discriminatory, so they said she's going to keep her job. But he's also displayed plenty of other negative attitudes towards women over the years. A former marketing employee said Sarver frequently asked her, quote, do I own you? Are you one of mine? And the quote, in restaurant employment, the sons. This one, I think this is the one that's made the round of social media. I think this one's the topper. Holmes cited a story from 2015 and the sons were recruiting a Marcus Aldridge in free agency. Aldridge had some kids in Texas and he's talking about, oh, I want to have a desire to stay closer to family. He ends up signing up with the Spurs, so he's closer to them. Sarver has the brilliant idea to tell two of his staffers at a meeting that the Suns should get local strippers impregnated by NBA players that they have kids in the area, giving the Suns an edge in free agency. Think about that one for a second. Think about the absolute stupidity you have to deal with here with this owner. Think about what the hell you just heard. This man is instituting one of the worst organizational cultures in professional sports, and this article is very disturbing. Employees in this piece discuss being on antidepressants. One talk about being suicidal, working for Phoenix, which is alarming. Stuff like this shows you exactly what's wrong with sports. Namely, when entitled assholes do whatever they feel like without any sign of respect for their employees, race, or gender. The NBA, you can bet your bottom dollar here. They're going to go look into this. It'd be fascinating to see what Adam Silver handles the investigation here. This has some parallels to the Donald Sterling situation where Sterling was forced to sell the Clippers by Silver to Steve Ballmer. But the difference here is that there's a smoking gun in the, in the Sterling case. They had tapes of Sterling saying uncontroversially racist things. And you had no choice at that point. As of right now, there is no smoking gun here. It's basically the word of Sarver and some of his employees against other employees. What does Adam Silver do with this? How do the current players react? Remember, there was a big public outcry to force the sale of the Clippers from Sterling. Time will tell. We'll keep an eye on this one. 
And with that, I want to end the show. I want to thank Matt Verderam for hopping on the podcast to do the NFL Midseason Report. I also thank Jersey Joe Arquino for doing the Week 10 NFL picks. Remember, we're stuff like this podcast. Including, as I mentioned at the top, my instant reaction to the Jets' disaster in Indy against the Colts last Thursday night. Check out the blog or justinthesuffering.wordpress.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Amazon, all the usual suspects, and listeners for Just and the Suffering, your favorite podcast platform. You can find all episodes there. Feel free your feedback and star rings. We all help with the podcast even better going forward. You can also follow my YouTube page, Mike Phillips on YouTube. The video version of these chats with Matt and Jersey Joe will be up there as well. You can also follow me on Twitter at mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-331. And that will do it for this week's show. Coming up next week on the podcast, we're going to do a little dive into the Giants in midseason. We'll do some NFL picks and more. I totally hope you have a better week than Bills fans. This has been the Just End the Suffering Podcast. I'm out.